We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kinda dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls and talk some DD with the cave trolls. Hello. Hey dude, how's it going? It's going. I've not finished my first cup of coffee, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, normally you're you're uh first one on a little bit uh I know. I just get schedule. Bad. I think it's because it's raining, and when yeah. it's raining, I just I don't know. I have like rain sense, and I'm just like it's bedtime. Oh, I got you. Rain <laughs> ma- just makes me want to read or write. That's it's the Ooh. only thing that affects me. A lot of people get dreary, and I'm like, nah, it's time to get some shit done. Let's uh, let's crack open that book. <laughs> I it's my happy place. I like being cozy. It's just like first thing in the morning or when I go to bed. It's just way easier to relax and like peel myself out of out of bed is hard. But then when I'm out of bed, it's fine. And it's my favorite weather. But like starting the day is like ah, oh, but I just wanna, I just wanna sleep. <laughs> I think it also helps too that uh, my roof is leaking right now. So uh, again, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> when you rent, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's not much you can do. Yeah, they, they said they fixed it. Obviously, not very obviously well. Obviously, they did not. <laughs> right. So I'll be I'll be waiting for that. Uh, this time it's directly above my bed again. Um, so just oh! like slightly a few feet over um so yeah so i have a bucket right now sitting on my bed so my very expensive (laughs) comforter and whatnot doesn't get ruined Uh i say very expensive like all comforters are expensive i think (laughs) but yeah it's a luxury to have a comforter a nice one exactly like i like my wife put a duvet on our christmas list um and then like and then like a cover for it and i was like the fuck like this is so unnecessary and she loves it it's great i'm glad it makes her happy but there was just a part of me or i'm like who can justify asking for something i think it was like 50 bucks or something like that i'm like it's a blanket (laughs) we have we own several (laughs) when i got to the uk i didn't even realize i didn't i don't know if this is just a uk thing and they're just more common but i'd never owned a duvet and a duvet cover i didn't know they were separate i always just thought it was like puffy blankets uh-huh. <laughs> and you couldn't change out the covers but in the uk they they sell the actual like blanket part like the duvet part for like five quid sometimes you can get oh, wow. primark they're super cheap and i'm like oh my god a five dollar like queen size blanket this is amazing and i just never put a cover on it because i'm like why would i need it you just wash <laughs> it i could see when it gets dirty it's fine i just had like a throw blanket over it and so people couldn't see the tag poking out. I'm like, it's perfect. Like, I don't need a duvet cover. Like, so, I just have a five-pound duvet. There's a lot to unpack there. Number one, like, check your privilege. Number two, <laughs> um, <laughs> says the guy who owns a duvet. But, uh, but also, the, <laughs> not to gross you out, the reason why is because, like, it's really absorbent. Like, because it's a really good material on the inside that keeps it warm. So, sure, you can see when it gets dirty, but it's already dirty, brother. Like, it, it's already gross. Oh, yeah, probably. I, I, <laughs> That's why you got to sure get covered. I'm there's a reason. I was just poor, and I'm like, five do- like, five pounds, uh, and I just put, and then I get, like, a ten-pound, like, fuzzy, like, really thin, like, blanket that you, like, a throw blanket to sure. on top of it. And then I got another blanket, like a, a wool blanket as a gift. And I'm like, perfect. This is all I need. I just need three blankets, 
like stacked on top of each other. I don't need no fancy like duvet cover. <laughs> the the duvet cover is not is the least expensive part, at least here in the states. Like it's weird. It's the complete opposite in the UK. Yeah. It's the duvet that's cheap. I'm sure I could have bought a more expensive one, but the the cover I paid thirty dollars for, and my mother in law because she's awesome bought us uh, the the blanket. She said my daughter's cold, and she bought uh, <laughs> bought her one. The the beauties of being adopted, I suppose. I asked my mom for a blanket, and I think it was like an old Afghan from the war. Which one? I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's full of holes. But you know, it kept me warm for several minutes. Uh, yeah, you know, it counts. You didn't freeze to death in a Midwest winter. I, I have not. Really counts. I have not frozen to death even once. You are correct. And speaking of freezing to death, hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that gives you all of your TTRPG news. My name is Terry Smith, and with me, as always, is one half of the Slavonly Trolls, Charday. Charday, how are you doing? Leave out the blankets. Um, I'm doing great. It's a comfy, cozy, rainy day, so already off to a great start. I'm doing yeah. fantastic. And no crazy OGL madness. Uh, we have an interesting interview coming up from the Three Black Halflings that we're going to talk about, and some new bits and bobs. Uh, new games coming out, some Bardic Inspiration, talking about Brendan Lee Mulligan's podcast, and the new Dungeons & Dragons heist-themed anthology and its connections to the movie. But other than that, nothing crazy. No one came out and, you know, did a bunch of racist shit in a book that we have to shit on them about. No one's come out uh, saying that we're going to charge you $500 for you to roll dice. Good good week so far. Yeah, the bar is pretty low, though. <laughs> It is, it is. Uh, have you done any, like, shitty racist menstrual stuff? No? Okay, well then, I guess you get a thumbs up this week. You get a gold star. Good job. How many weeks have we gone without, you know, one big company doing something <laughs> racist? You put it on the board. Oh, well, like, big companies? No, no, no. I said TTRPG's news that I have to cover. If we want to get into the overall corporate structure i mean every minute like there's <laughs> there's every no minute of every day right um you know there was the whole harry potter thing this last week because of the new game uh yeah exactly like that was pretty crazy <laughs> if we have time we can talk about it in our bs exactly yeah we'll <laughs> save it for the end oh man it's gone crazy though and uh for, like, I know we talked about like not playing it, obviously, um, and it just became an easier and easier decision as as you know time went on, kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it was just interesting. I'm like, well, uh, at least the the fire's off of TTRPGs for a little bit. <laughs> just move the nerd rage over a little bit. You know, it's there's always something. Legacy? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man well anyways let's jump right into it with escape the undergarden uh you sent me this story uh this mm -hmm. new uh ttrpg supplement for 5e from jvc perry who we've talked about a little bit on the show with past projects this one is on kickstarter right now and i believe it's fully backed now it, hit, it is yeah i don't uh, think it was when i sent it to you so i don't think so either it's a big difference definitely uh it's uh, got eleven thousand dollars over its nine thousand six hundred and sixty nine nice goal <laughs> nice um i'm sure that was some sort of <laughs> on purpose knowing jvc Perry's so. other projects i'd be really disappointed if it was not on purpose <laughs> 
<laughs> some awesome art by Raluca Marinescu, I believe is how you pronounce that. But uh, I'll read uh, directly from the solicit. Escape the Enchanted Forest. Escape from Undergarten is a fantastic adventure for 5th edition set in the small village of Theril, which is mobbed by hunters searching for the Golden Heart. Meanwhile, the characters are on a quest to find the missing Gallant Sister, who has gotten trouble with the Deep Root Ring, a group of fan fanatical druids pushing back against the encroachment of the hunters so this covers a lot of the fey and gardens and whimsical forests and uh it starts with the humble beginnings in a small village i dig everything that they got going on here um it's got two adventures in it uh taking the characters from fifth level to eighth level uh some really cool artwork in there it's about 50 pages long uh i recommend it i've liked the other stuff that jvc has put out before uh any interest here Shar? probably since you sent it to me i mean i saw it and then i think the person i saw a repost of it on twitter and then somebody said you had me at mushrooms and i'm like mushrooms and, I look <laughs> it. and it was all like yeah it was all like foresty and fey and i'm looking at potentially if any of my players are listening to this no you are not i'm looking at potentially doing a very small fey wild plot in the campaign i'm running so i saw this and i'm just like perfect excellent <laughs> yes this is exactly what i want <laughs> Yeah, there's some cool mushroom stuff in there, dryads all over the place. Um, uh, honestly, just the imagery alone from the book could be enough to inspire your players for stuff, but there's some cool magic in there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm definitely interested in it. Uh, trying to see if I can mention some of the other stuff I've played from JVC. I have too many books. I'm trying to scroll through my <laughs> you do. you're kind of a hoarder but that's fine a little bit a little bit of a kickstarter whore um that's fine uh but it's got some cool goals on there they've already uh hit like the the funding goal obviously but more custom artwork but if it gets to fifteen thousand, um they're gonna launch a comic so that's what i was really excited about um right, so yeah. a team from monolith comics who has some really cool shit going on uh so do that so i can read this comic book please <laughs> Um, anyways, moving on, the next one, uh, is called Seven Murders Till Midnight. This one I'm really excited about. This is a solo RPG that lets you solve a murder. You have seven days to solve it. Uh, I know we've talked a little bit about other solo RPGs on this show. Have you had a chance to check out anything? Not recently, no. I've been kind of on a video game binge, so that's been my solo RPG. <laughs> just playing video games, to be fair. Um, but they've been on my radar. I have, like, my eye on some of them, but I just haven't been... I just like the video games I'm playing right now, and that that's a big time suck for me for my solo game playtime. This is part of the whole zine quest thing. Uh, a bunch of creators getting together to kind of team up and put out these books. Um, but Seven Murders Till Midnight. I'm going to read from the solicit here. The world is often dark and a horrid place, and you've certainly seen the worst that humanity has to offer. At least you thought you had until this latest string of murders. In Seven Murders Till Midnight, you play the role of a detective. You might be a cop, reporter, or just a concerned citizen. In any case, you find yourself on the trail of a serial killer as the bodies pile up your only hope of catching this killer is to get inside their head and you need to anticipate their next move before they make it but are they anticipating your moves as well is this all the game to them um but it's a classic solo rpg uh with a couple of interesting like uh mechanics that i prefer in mine like the journal entries the the cards and whatnot but the thing that makes this one stand out is the clues that you have access to um and like that being the main mechanic for solving the murders uh i don't know what that necessarily means for repeat plays uh mm -hmm. eventually you're gonna run out 
mostly like just like many solo rpgs if you had the chance to play them uh a lot of them add like uh new decks of cards if you want to incorporate things but the a lot of them use the normal playing card setup so this will generate what your game is as you play through so i'm expecting if this does well if you want to expand your game just more clues so you can get into different mysteries but the way that they mix it up seems pretty exciting so if you were looking for a solo rpg but you want more of the zodiac type uh flavoring in there if you want to solve a murder mystery uh seven days till midnight is what i would or seven murders till midnight is what i would recommend <laughs> um it also similar to some of the other games i've recommended on here when it comes to solo rpgs has a definitive of end so you get to the seventh um that's your last chance to try to catch the murderer and there's that cool like beat the clock thing can you do it before um like mm -hmm. and beat your score kind of uh which is interesting if you need to gamify it past you playing uh, <laughs> you know a journal entry card solo rpg by yourself uh <laughs> i don't there's a there's a happy place for me sitting at a table playing a board game or a solo RPG by myself. Uh, mm -hmm. But when my wife has seen that, she's like, do you want to play something? Like, you just look so lonely <laughs> playing this game here. <laughs> it's me. It's like that. I don't know what sides of TikTok you're on, but it's like that TikTok sound. Don't bother me. I'm having enrichment time. Mind closure. <laughs> Mind closure. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a couple of things like that. I mean, like, it's... It's one thing when you see someone playing a video game, I think. I think because of our yeah, generation growing so. up with so many board games and things like exactly. that, you just assume it's a multiplayer yeah. experience. So <laughs> sometimes when you see that, she's like, hey, are you okay? okay uh, you, you, you need a buddy. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, the answer is I am okay and I don't need help. Thank you. Uh, and leave me alone. <laughs> let me get through this. I'm in my enclosure. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a lot of times like uh when i've decided i'm i'm done for the evening it's like sit with a pile of like uh comic book volumes next to me and i'm like this yeah. is this is what i'm doing for the rest of the evening yeah yeah turn off the brain <laughs> uh spider-man turn off the dark actually Oh. <laughs> that was in the news again recently. That, nothing related to this show, but the, the fact that we're still getting headlines about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark that. is what amazing. The, what was that about again? I don't remember. I, I just hadn't seen, seen that name in like almost 10 years. Spider-Man Turn Off well, the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is a musical, for those who don't know. A failed musical that went really ridiculously over budget and had so many injuries because of all of the acrobatic stunts they tried to do being a spider-man musical but honestly the music kind of slaps so <laughs> listen to the soundtrack if you if you have it it actually kind of slaps oh of course this is even worse george santos uh you don't know oh, oh my god uh, american politician in quotes um liar. uh known liar yeah exactly their yeah. their latest uh resume lie is he produced spider-man on broadway so that's why it's in the headlines again is he was saying he was part of that production which bold bold to to lie about that number one but number two why would you want to like that get better at lying like pick a I different lie maybe it's because he just assumed people wouldn't give a shit and he knew that it was a failed musical and that people don't talk about it anymore but what he doesn't know is that the internet exists and also there are probably people who worked on that production who's like i don't no like we can we could literally have receipts like what are you doing <laughs> uh yeah so that's why it's back in the news so there's that uh little extra bardic inspiration for you <laughs> and if you don't know please look into it it's it is funny it's also really sad like people got really injured i think there was a death there, there. 
Oh, there, there's a YouTube channel that does a really great deep dive onto it. Um, if I remember the name, I will put it. Uh, I'll give it to you, and maybe you could put it in the sources if people want. If people are interested, it's it's by a YouTube channel who does a lot of like mini documentaries. Is on it Defunct Plan? Musical theater. Oh, no, okay. it's not Defunct Plan. It's like um, behind the curtain or oh, something. Okay, I know that or one. Wade in, Wade in the Wings maybe did it. Uh, there are a couple that I follow, so. If you want to watch, if you want to like have like a, a good overarching like deep dive on it, do recommend. Um, the channel goes really far into like how it started as like a passion project, and then you know obviously investor and budget got in the way, and U two is involved because they did <laughs> <laughs> fucking U <YouTube>. two, man. <laughs> Whenever there's a gigantic <laughs> snafu, YouTube's behind it. Um, but moving on, <laughs> still on the Marvel train, X-Men expansion announced for the upcoming Marvel tabletop role-playing game. Um, this is just interesting for me. There's been so much news and weird stuff that's coming out over the years about the new Marvel TTRPG. But you know what hasn't come out about the Marvel TTRPG? The Marvel TTRPG. The Marvel TTRPG. You are <laughs> correct, Char. That game is still not out. I playtested it um, almost two years ago now, uh, which is fascinating. Also, if you hear some weird sawing on my end, they're doing construction. Funnily enough, not on the roof. Because uh, <laughs> that would make sense. That would make more sense. But yeah, so they just announced a new expansion for the game that is not out yet. Uh, it there's a part of me that's that's interested the reason why it's still out yet maybe it's they're testing it there was a lot of feedback not a ton of it positive when it came to mm -hmm. um the the marvel role-playing game uh i had i think it's called multiverse is the name of it marvel multiverse mm -hmm. i had some negative feedback there were some things i liked about it it's not the worst game ever by any means but it definitely had some serious issues that i would have loved seeing by the time it came out also because i paid for the play test which was uh <laughs> a little disappointing um yeah. i but maybe they had the funding to change things and that's why now we're getting into their roadmap that they had kind of planned but the game's still not out yet because they were making a better product that's my hope mm -hmm. we shall see but yeah so if you like x-men and the mutants and the brotherhood of evil mutants and all the other things i don't see any krakoa stuff mentioned which is the new era but uh maybe some stuff like that um xavier's institute for gifted youngsters all of that jazz mm -hmm. then uh be excited for <laughs> this expansion for a game that still is not out yet uh i think it's cool it's a little bit weary like where the mutants not included in the base game uh you could mess with some some of that stuff uh in the play test mm -hmm. at least so maybe it'll just be more stats for for people with mutant abilities or something but mm. either way uh, i'm interested i'll probably check it out it'll probably be like how i uh, own all of the transformers and power rangers rpg stuff even though i have some issues with those games i'll probably own everything from marvel multiverse even though i'm not a fan uh mm. we shall see but check that out if you're interested i have a link here you can't buy it but <laughs> <laughs> you could probably pre-order it uh next up the dark souls rpg is getting an expansion rumored expansion uh the tome of strange beans 
Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Dark Souls RPG on the show and when it came out and all the issues, but how they were trying to fix them and they reprinted the hard copy, which was interesting. Um, mm. So, like, they put the work in and now they're finally teasing that they're going to expand into some of the Dark Souls 3 content uh, for the RPG system. Uh, it's based in 5e, so if you're looking for more 5e stuff that didn't come from Watsky. You like Dark Souls? There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Shard, does this do anything for you? <laughs> An expansion for a game that you don't play? <laughs> not really, but as as with most things that have nothing to do with me, I'm happy for the people that it makes happy, um, but I'm not a big Souls person. This just mm-hmm. hasn't been on my radar, really. But for the people who really love it and want to play in that world as a TTRPG, I hope they... I hope the people who are publishing this one learned from their mistakes before and yeah. like polish the stuff. And two, that they're there's I'm glad to see they're still creating content and that the people hopefully who are being um the most affected by this, the ones that are most excited for this, remain excited and have a good time. Yeah, and this this was sent to me by a friend of mine who is really excited about it. Um they enjoyed the pivot. They like they were really disappointed in the book originally and with the mm. like sincere apologies and the fixes, the fact that this might be getting an expansion means that oh maybe they recovered enough and maybe they've made enough money off the initial release to expand that because the world of Dark Souls is pretty big. Um yeah. there's three games there that all tie together with different mechanics. I'm surprised it's not bigger. However, the Dark Souls community is primarily a video game community and a lore community so it would be hard i i would imagine because i don't know if the dragon age ttrpg is very big either because dragon age is primarily a video game and you get your kicks mostly in the video game but they also have been expanding for years in like novelizations and comics and then the ttrpg so like maybe dark souls is taking like some tips from like what bioware has been doing with some of their properties and it it is like maybe they just rely on their loyal fan base more so than expanding and getting new fans in right like i don't really hear a lot of people who are mostly ttrpg people talking about video game ttrpgs yeah not often people who play the video games really enjoy it yeah and that's 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 the interesting part is i you would think there'd be way more crossover there is and i'm sure there is and that we're not thinking about that we don't know anecdotally but i don't hear about as much as you would think the the dragon age one is an interesting bring up because it used to be as big but now souls is way larger with the release of elden ring and and bloodborne it's just a way bigger community maybe that it'll switch because dragon age 4 is supposed to come out sometime in the next year ish Mm -hmm. like we're probably going to get a release date at the next big like ea thing or video game conference but there's also just (laughs) uh yeah they're definitely going to talk about it at ea play um it's it's already yeah yeah they're talking about dreadwolf um but it, oh. while Dragon Age is definitely huge, it's definitely not the same kind of numbers. I don't see it switching. It's also no. a different community where, like, Dark Souls is definitely an RPG, but it's an action yeah. RPG. And yeah. while um, Dragon Age has, like, you know, it's got its foot in that door when it comes to the action yeah. part. It's still, so far, has mostly been more of a tactical one. However, some leaks recently have uh, indicated that Dreadwolf is going to be yeah. more God of War action combat based 
which is interesting. Uh, Bioware has not had a lot of success yeah. in that field. Um, that was a critique from Dragon Age 2. Not so much Inquisition, but Dragon Age 2. And then you have mm-hmm. uh, Anthem. Obviously, it didn't do too well. I hope they learn from Anthem. And I hope they take like what they the fun things they wanted to do probably with stuff like Anthem and use it better in a Dragon Age thing. But not make it online. Do not, do not fucking make it. like. It'll probably be online. Multiplayer. It, it, online portion because the yeah. noise is but like don't make that because i played when i played mass effect andromeda i was really annoyed yes i played mass effect andromeda no i didn't like it very much it was fine um but they like a big part of mass effect andromeda was um like side missions kind of like you did the war table in uh-huh. dragon age inquisition and you would put teams on missions and then but if you played multiplayer you could you know do those missions faster and then you could get more level ups quicker you can get better equipment and i'm just like i don't like this because i like playing dragon age as a single person experience and but they were really really like pushing it and and almost making it sound like if you didn't play multiplayer you might get one of the quote-unquote bad endings <laughs> the, and you, I'm like, i don't know i really don't like that <laughs> right i the uh, ea has had kind of a resurgence when it comes to their single player games with things like titanfall 2 and jedi fallen mm-hmm. order so like that that shift is definitely happening I know some of the people that developed Anthem have moved over to their Iron Man project, which is cool because that was some of the parts of Anthem that worked really well. When it comes to bringing it back around to D&D, when it comes to Dragon Age, I really loved the TTRPG um, for Dragon Age. You know, we've talked about it popping up on Nerdist and Geek and Sundry, Mm -hmm. and that's where um, some of my love for that game has come from. However... The expansion part that you've talked about with people who really like Dragon Age, their novelizations and comic books and stuff have never crossed over um, to other groups. Again, anecdotally, I'm sure there's evidence that there's some crossover there, but still not much. Like, it hasn't become a household name, which is interesting. I'm I'm interested to see if this game comes out and uh, it, it is more action oriented. If we can see a resurgence in that, same thing with like like how Elden Ring did well, so the Dark Souls RPG was was funded well enough. Like I'm interested to see if maybe we could get more of that because that is a really cool game and games still use that system, the age system. So mm-hmm. it would be cool to see that expanded. But that's all conjecture. Let's keep moving on. I'm okay. By the way, don't feel like uh, you're not going to get the same show because we're talking a long time on this. It is a little bit of a light news week. So. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on tangents if we want. <laughs> that's right. You're not my real dad. Uh, uh, moving on, though, to Horse Girl. It's a new... Uh, I've mentioned the Zine Quest, the Zine Month RPG, about utter submission to love and surgical transformation into a horse <laughs> oh i'm so Liz is gonna be so mad that she's not here because she's a horse girl oh man uh yeah so let's talk about this uh i'm gonna read directly from chase carter's uh article on it from Dicebreaker because it's a good article do you love me yay or nay um <laughs> Body horror has long been a staple of the broader spooky media genre from classics such as The Fly to the Human Centipede Trilogy um, and more recently Titan. Horse Girl, a zine month tabletop RPG project, proudly carries that tradition as a journaling game about being willingly transformed body and mind 
into a horse. <laughs> Creator Samuel Mui, uh, known online as Babblegum Sam, said, Horse Girl, inspired by films such as Tusk, uh, Boxing Helena, and Equus, which is a frightening array of touchstones that aptly sum up that players, <laughs> yep, are asked to do in this solo journaling game. Uh, wow, that is an eclectic oh, group of inspiration. God. Um, but yeah, like if you've played any solo RPGs or heard us talk about it, it is that it's a solo journaling RPG where you do your entries. Um, I don't believe it's, uh, it's that crazy radical. Like I still think you use like a deck of cards to generate it. Um, let me see what we have here. Horse Girl derives its rules of, of play from the Wretched and Alone SRD, a free-to-use version of Chris Bazette's The Wretched. It uses a deck of cards to prompt the player, uh... Uh, and a tumbling block tower to represent the story's mounting tension. So I've mm. mentioned Dread on this show before, yeah. so it kind of combines those classic solo RPGs with Dread. So if you have a deck of cards and uh, and you have a jumbling tower or a Jenga, I guess, if you're rich, mm-hmm. um, then you can uh, definitely play this game. The Wretched is a good one. I recommend checking that out. It's free and you can develop your own stuff with it. Uh, but yeah, so that's Horse Girl. Um, you can back it on Kickstarter they're looking to make their own deck of cards as well as expansions as well so um <laughs> uh, so there's gonna be some content warnings i'm gonna re- i'm gonna read from this as well so as a work of horror horse girl does come with a bevy of content warnings body horror torture dehumanization bestiality pregnancy sexual <laughs> situations and consent to terrible actions so keep fun? all of that in- i mean what did you expect when i read what it was inspired by and know, what it was about i thought at first, I thought it was like I don't know, like a meme, like a joke. It is, but the, but not. with those memes and jokes, you've been on Tumblr, you know, you know Wattpad. Okay, yeah. this is uh, this yeah. is a game speci- for a very specific subset of people. Yeah. Um, no yeah. judgment here. If this is your style, go check it out. I have the link to the Kickstarter. Know that I might sit this one out. I know I've talked about a lot of solo <laughs> RPGs. Um, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll check it out. I'll expand my curiosity. Um, I have some friends that are horse girls. I'm going to hit up my friend Haley, who streams on Twitch. Um, she loves TTRPGs and horses and horror. So we'll see. Uh, maybe I can get some outside thoughts on horse girl. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Please. Right. Um, <laughs> let's get into the village crier where we talk about the news of the week. Not a lot of crazy stuff when it comes to big news. Like I said, nothing like gigantic happened except for the three black halflings doing what they do best and talking about awesome shit. They got to interview Kyle Brink from Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons to talk about the OGL. Um, Char, I know you listen to it. I listen to it as well. Do you want to give our listeners uh, the gist of what happened with Kyle Brink on the three black halflings? I can. So I thought first off, I just want to give super props to both Jeremy and Liv. It was a great interview. Pulled um, no punches. They pulled no punches. They said at their outro that they were basically given free reign to ask whatever they wanted. And they did. <laughs> they surveyed <laughs> their patrons and the people on their Discord and also asked some of their own questions. And yeah, there are some pretty heavy hitting questions. Jeremy really like really honed in on some really important questions and we got some answers that we didn't previously have confirmed before that are now confirmed so they basically talked about the entire situation 
how this happened, who they were talking to behind closed doors. Like Kyle Brink actually named a couple of names of the groups, which was really interesting. And it was just a very informational, um, I wouldn't say entertaining, but if you're, if you've been following the situation, it was an engaging interview but I I kind of had mixed feelings on it throughout because I thought a lot of the answers were very surface level. Yeah, they, they were pretty journey. corporate word salad a lot of the times. Yeah. There was some forthright stuff where I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah, there was some stuff that was like, okay, respect. But a lot of it, and even Liv and Jeremy at the end, they did an outro. And they're just, even they said that um, they didn't believe most of them. <laughs> of what Kyle Brink said, which is good. You should have like a healthy amount of skepticism for sure because, and they only had an hour with them as well as what they said. So yeah. they couldn't even ask all the questions that they wanted. They had a very limited time and they felt that even some of their questions that they asked weren't really answered and were given really roundabout answers and he dodged some questions. So yes, there was some new information presented, but it is, you could definitely tell the corporate word salad. Kyle Brink uses a lot of flowery language, a lot of corporate speak to answer these questions, which of course he does. He's sure. basically the only person who's done an interview about this. Yeah, and so he's an executive producer for Dungeons and Dragons. If you don't know, Kyle Brink is one of the, the creative heads over there when it comes to the actual game being produced so he has the authority mm -hmm. and he's newer in the role as well and i'm sure he was coached yeah. on some of these answers but like 100%. um definitely go listen to the podcast like we're doing we're just purely referencing it so go, go check it out i have a link to it um mm -hmm. up here um but specifically we should probably mention they asked about the hadozi scandal and why so... the hell did that happen <laughs> I, as soon as they did, I'm like, I literally have in my notes, I love Jeremy Cobb. Because right. I do. I and met him. He's amazing. And also, he's just a great, like, interviewer. And he knows what to ask. 100%. And what's important to ask. And I'm so... I, as soon as I saw that, I was, like, whooping and cheering. Like, hell yeah! <laughs> Ask about the Hidozi. And that was one of the more corporate <laughs> answers, um, which yeah, which like, I, I like that they talked about it at the end. Jeremy and Liv were just kind of like, yeah, sounds like basically what he said was, um, yeah, we're bad at this. Um, which is kind of what it came down to. They are like, oh, yeah, we had voices like that, but uh, they weren't in charge of doing it. Basically, what they said was there was a higher-up white guy who said, no, I like this, and I'm going to put it in. Yep. And that's exactly what we all kind of assumed happened, but there was confirmation right there. Um, somebody high enough up who didn't have to answer to anybody um, put that paragraph in. I'm like, well, that's fucked. And then since that paragraph's in there, let's put art to it. And basically, like we said, there was nobody high enough, no people of color, or even just like, you know, allies to say, hey, um, don't do that with any sort of authority, which was the next follow-up with was, yeah. are there, is there anybody with authority who yes. are not just, you know, cisgendered white dudes who have bad um, decision-making skills? And they didn't answer that question, which answers that question, nope. right? Well, he did. He said that it's run by a lot of people like me, and we're on our way out. And I'm just like, then leave. Right? <laughs> like, that's true. And that's a good answer for him. About? And and that's the most that's the that's the best he can do. I'm sure he can't name names. Yeah. That'd be trouble. But I bet you I'm he sure. also can't name names because they don't exist. 
right? Like No, exactly. They they can exist. And also, he's a new hire as well. So when he answered that question, I was just like, "Well, you're basically a result of them not hiring anybody that hasn't looked like who they've hired in the past." Why? And he does acknowledge to his credit. He's like, "I know what I look like. I know that they've been catering to my demographic for a very long time." Um, but you know, the Dungeons and Dragons, I think this is when I really started <clears throat> not really trusting what he was saying, like really, cause he's just like, well, the Dungeons and Dragons community has been diversifying for the last couple of years. And so when we're hiring from that pool, it's going to be diverse. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's always been diverse. People have always played this game. They just were never, they never felt safe to say it. Well, that, and that's part to welcome. his credit. He also said that too. Like he didn't just say that it's been getting more diverse. He's saying it is getting more diverse, but also it's been that way for a long time. But the people in my position haven't recognized that and have ignored it. Like I he, he did say that too. He, the specific wording he used, which is what term he did. He, the specific wording he used from what I remember was it's been like that for a few years now. And I'm like, Oh no, getting more diverse. Know. But he also does mention that it's, it's not been a bunch of white guys in a basement for a very long time was the other quote. Yes. Yeah. So, so like, I, I don't want to throw under the bus completely for all of that, but I agree. It's definitely wishy-washy, but also that was not the question. That was my frustration. Like that, like I understand that you have to answer like that. I've worked for corporate stuff, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we have to be happy about it. Right? Like that was not what they asked. They asked, Hey, is there any people of color, anybody who isn't just a straight white dude who, you know, <laughs> plays this game in their basement, making these decisions. <laughs> and because he couldn't we know it's been like this, like, right. but he didn't name any names. He didn't, he, you could just say no. It was just corporate wishy-washy for no. There's nobody who's not a cis white. And, he, and I think it's it was partly <laughs> corporate wishy-washy, but I do want to give some credit. At least he recognized that 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 is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean we have to be happy with that answer. It's it's saddening that that is the answer, but at least mm -hmm. you have that confirmation. Where he was like, no, no, no. It was people like me, and we are you know aging out of this. We are um on our way out which is all good things to say it doesn't make me want to buy more wizards of the ghost stuff it doesn't make me want to play dungeons and dragons yeah. more when it comes to their <laughs> new products uh so there was that and then the other portion of it that i would like pull people's like you know attention to that you want to know about is the ogl stuff when they talked about um the semantics of the draft thing made a lot of sense when it oh, comes to corporate yeah. ideas and that was something i wasn't nearly as mad about when people are like why is this a draft I'm like well they're just calling it a draft that like they're not denying that they sent it to people hoping they'd sign it mm -hmm. and he did kind of say that he was like well like if everyone's happy with it it's not a draft um like he, he all but said well you being mad about the word draft is semantics like be mad about the fact that we sent it to people um not yeah. about the word draft and he uh, also said like he also said every everything that we do is a draft until it's published and in people's hands basically. which is and which just, is true like, for for corporate true. speak yeah like yeah, it, it's corporate wishy-washy but i mean true but like, i don't think it was wishy-washy i think it was exactly the confirmation of the plan with that thing like sure this was a draft unless they signed it and then it's uh <laughs> unless they signed it, then it was not a draft. if you weren't basically lisa <laughs> was if you weren't mad about it this would have been the plan but you were mad about it and uh yeah. Um, I think there was a little bit of they've made him the scapegoat, but he can't 
fully be the scapegoat and say this was all my fault because he has yeah. the job right um so and he's got to keep doing it if they wanted to fully make a scapegoat they would have fired that person it was they would have said this yeah. is my fault and i'm stepping down like corporations do so he couldn't come out right and say this is all my fault and he didn't he was like yeah i didn't handle that well and the right voices voices weren't there which is mm-hmm. this a uh, bad right like basically like so do you want us to support you because we have to or do you want us to support you because you're incompetent because those are the two choices that you've given us with this corporate language that you're giving out yeah, in this interview i think jeremy and Liv also pointed that out 100 percent outro they were just like it just seems like he and his team right now as what we're understanding are just coming off as incompetent and that is that's a hundred percent true and also it's i we we have no way of confirming if what any of what he is saying is true but some of it rang true to what we know of what happened with tsr and history repeating itself was like yeah designers weren't asked a lot of stuff when they should have been because the designers arguably and the people who are in charge of community management know what the customers quote unquote want the most not your surveys not any of what you think they want and in your higher up positions looming over everybody people who are a little bit more engaged with the community know what the community wants they should have a seat at the table always and clearly according to kyle brink they did not have a seat at the table yet again which is uh, but also they the people who were on the ground should have been pushing for it more because of again what has happened in the past this is not the first time something like this has happened right so to, to argue that a little bit not not full devil's advocate because you're right on all accounts the thing i would argue against is the people on the ground floor they could push as much as they want they don't have say Sure. Like you can yeah. have people throwing fits and quitting. Yeah, it doesn't mean the list. Exactly. That's my only thing. Like, no, no, no. Everything you're saying totally. is correct. The problem is, is it isn't so much that we're talking about. Um, we know what we want better than you know what they want. That's not really the thing. Is is the people that you're saying that have like the knowledge know what the people want. The people in the corporation, as it is, this monolith doesn't care what people want. They, they care what care. people will buy. Which is which brings up because they did ask like. If the impact of people canceling their um yeah. their subscriptions to D and D Beyond had anything, he's like, no, that was just a coincidence. I'm like, that is <laughs> absolute total bullshit. There is no fucking way that it was a coincidence that you just happened to be like, because he also really drove home the point of, oh, we didn't have a very quick response because we were trying to be too perfect with it. And if we could do it over, we would obviously have open communication from the offset. Sure, okay, learn from your mistakes. But also you can't just say, oh, it's a, it's a happy coincidence that everybody canceled their D&D Beyond subscriptions. And then like, as soon as those numbers probably became available to them, Wizards like put out that really awful first statement saying, we're all winners here. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, and, um, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't really work. And like his point there, there's some credence to that, right? Where he's talking about, well, it's like a Titanic, right? You can't just pivot. Sure. Those things take time. Sure. They sure. do. However, you can't just ignore the, the fact of like how it syncs up. Um, yeah. And you could say that was a, like, I think I would have believed the statement if he said, well, that was definitely a part 
part of it, but we were also in the midst of making all these decisions, and that was the final nail in the coffin. I would have accepted that. But the thing that he can't admit, being the executive producer and probably having been coached on this, the thing he can't admit is that we fucked with their wallet, and it worked, right? And I've been there. I've been in those situations. Um, I've I've had to put out corporate statements before, and the thing that you Mm. can't admit, you can admit fault to a certain extent as long as safety's not involved. If safety's involved, that we had no no idea how that thing blew up. Um, But (laughs) if safety's not involved, you can admit fault a little bit. But what you can't admit is that by not buying it, you forced our hand because that takes away any power we have, and it admits that you can get what you want if you don't pay us. And it seems like a really obvious thing, right? It seems really simple. However, many customers don't realize that. They think that they're one person. Um, how could we affect change? And the thing that they saw was we the D&D Beyond people that were subscribed to it are not the biggest thing in the world, but uh, there's so many whales, right? There's so many sure. people who are like, no, I spend all my money. D&D's like, we, we, our friend John, I, I, love, I love referencing him because John cares about one thing and one thing only, and that's TTRPGs. Um, John is one of those people who has no children, no real responsibilities, and a high-paying job. So John spends all of his money on TTRPGs. <laughs> and one of those TTRPGs was D&D. And he owned literally every single book for 5th edition. And he owned them through D&D Beyond. And uh, he was like, well, I'm done. And so when you lose people like that... One person mm-hmm. can have an effect on your bottom line, 100%. and and like so, like they just can't admit that that was the thing because this is going to keep happening. D and D is growing, but it's not growing to the the tune of like billions of players, you know. No. So like you have this community now that's mad at you and can't affect change, and if they can affect too too much change, you can't squeeze them for all they're worth. Mm-hmm. So this just like the way he said that was like, that was the one thing. Like, I believe a lot of the stuff he said because he answered in ways that he was saying things he believed, not necessarily answering the question, but that was one where I was like, well, that's an outright lie. I understand why he did it. I'm not necessarily mad at Kyle Brink personally. No, he, he's, he's just the person that has gone on record with a, um, a trusted, I think, um, podcast within the community, a trusted right. people within the community. He's the one who put himself out there and what he's saying. And I think he a hundred percent knows this is representative of the company. He probably had a meeting or two or 20 with people, <laughs> like talking about like, what am I supposed to say when they ask this question? And I remember them at the end, Jeremy and Liv saying that they, I don't, they said they, I don't know if they were talking about Wizards of the Coast, if they were talking about a specific team of people, if they were talking about the department that Kyle Brink is in, but they said that they requested a list of the questions they were going to ask. Yeah, which is pretty commonplace, yeah. Yeah, but they didn't give it to him. Oh, I love that they were like, I, I, so like double double points. One to, to Jeremy Liv, three black halflings, everybody that they had because they they said they kind of solicited other questions, right? And like I yeah. love that they they said no, but I love even yeah. more that that says a lot because I've done stuff like that too with corporations, and if you can't get that that list, you don't do the interview. You just mm-hmm. say no, um, or fine, but we're only talking about these topics. And this says a lot about the current situation that they're trying to at least uh, convince us. I wouldn't say prove because I don't necessarily trust it, but convince us that they are trying to move forward in a better way because they still said yes to the interview and still said, ask whatever you want. Yeah. So, 
So double points to three black halflings. Jeremy lived an awesome job. I feel bad specifically for Liv at the end when they were like, I got the answers to all the questions I asked basically. And I don't feel good about it. Right. Like felt so bad. Yeah, like I've, I've been there. Better. Yeah. Because no matter honestly, and I don't know if Kyle Brink could provide answers that made any of us feel better. Number one, because of the yeah. corporate shackles, but number two, because we don't feel good about the things they did. You could give us reasons all day. It doesn't change anything. So, um, no, transparency is all great and good, but they're still rebuilding trust. And they say, I think, I think Jeremy said at the end, what was on everybody's mind is that D and D and Wizards of the Coast have a very long road ahead of them rebuilding trust in their community. And I think a lot of people, at least on the D and D end, if not all of Wizards of the Coast, probably not Hasbro, but <laughs> the Wizards of the Coast and people at D and D know that they know that they hurt their community and kyle brink i think he should have nailed on this a little bit harder <laughs> sorry <laughs> nailed this more um but he did say that they kind of not necessarily forgot about the community when they were doing the ogl stuff originally but the community just kind of got left behind in their bigger wants for what they originally wanted the ogl updates to be for mm -hmm. like big companies like meta and like when he gave examples like that, I'm like, oh, okay, to be honest, I didn't think of it that way. But also a lot of what you put in the OGL was clearly not about that. <laughs> but yeah, that was know, definitely a part of it, but you can't pretend like that was the whole plan. Yeah, and I just really wish, and it would have gotten a little bit more sympathy and played a little bit more of a sympathy card for Wizards of the Coast and D&D &D, that like, yeah they they fucked up with the community specifically and they got left behind because when he, he said that like as an offhand comment and i'm like oh yeah no they did and he's apologizing for it but like say it again louder for the people in the back that the community matters and that when you're making big decisions like this you should always keep them in mind because the community as we now know will fuck up your shit <laughs> right that's the thing is like you don't have to be beholden to anybody unless they pay you um and yeah. that's and that's what happened here two two points i did appreciate his honesty even though he didn't answer the, the direct question i appreciated that he was like listen i know that people who look like me are the problem and i like that's that's an important thing if you can't fix it at least acknowledge it right so i appreciated that and the last thing he said because it, this was the only part that really seemed like what he was allowed to say when it comes to corporation mm -hmm. stuff without saying you don't have to play D D, he basically said listen you can have your table the most important thing is playing the game you can tell kyle brink loves the hobby and yeah. and he was like if we <laughs> basically he said you play the game if you want to buy our stuff we'll make it and that yeah. was it seemed like it, he was speaking from himself there which you yeah. know you don't have to play D&D. &D. Yeah. yeah. I so I you appreciated don't need that. Wizards to play D&D &D, and I'm like, well that's that's what how my that's how I've been looking at the situation from the offset. You don't need wizards. You don't need to buy their stuff to play D&D. &D. If you love the system, if that is your storytelling or um gaming preference at the table, you can 100% still use that system. You can use their names, the the Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Dragonlance, stuff that you already have you don't need to buy anything else from them you don't need to monetarily support them anymore but you can do whatever you want at the table and i underline that in my notes same thing like i'm just like yeah that is very important and i'm glad that he said it because that's what i've been trying to say 
time. Yeah. It came up a little while ago when I said I was kind of done with buying Wizards of the Coast stuff. And you were talking about, like, I don't give up on D&D. You can give up on Wizards. But, like, I still want to play this game that I love, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to keep in, in perspective. But also, like, it's way easier now. I think the interesting part when we tied it into you know you know wizards no good very bad year is that there's a lot of people like specific players and whales like myself who i, I played dungeons and dragons i bought magic the gathering cards all of those things mm -hmm. and now i don't do any of that i still play dungeons and dragons but i don't buy those products anymore like they right. really when hasbro learned that they could squeeze more out of everybody they they went too far which is a common thing they don't care they have other ips right yeah. but i don't think they were aware of how bad it was going to happen magic the gathering is happening a little bit slower because that's such a gigantic thing in yeah. the space similar to dungeons and dragons yeah. but um it's shuttering people left and right a lot of people moving over to whatever niche game that they have but you've seen the same thing where like, when Dungeons & Dragons fucked up, Paizo sold out, right? It's the same thing that's happening with Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering is trying to squeeze everybody. They used to put out an expansion every four or five months. Now they're putting out one monthly, basically. And people can't keep mm -hmm. up. They just can't afford it. Even if you want to. Even if you don't want to give up on Wizards and Magic the Gathering, you can't physically do it. You don't make enough money. Um, mm -hmm. So that community is leaving to cheaper games that don't expand and update and try to squeeze you um you know for everything you're worth uh one piece just got announced that there's a new one piece trading card game a lot of people are flocking <laughs> to that i play digimon and a couple of other ones uh similar systems <laughs> but people are moving away from all of these wizard products and including dungeons and dragons now and it's sad because i've had the nostalgia for that but it's really cool that it's no longer going to be this monolith when it comes to nerd stuff that you like well you have to play wizards of the coast stuff if you like right anything nerdy well you don't anymore and, and i uh, think it's going i think it's been happening for a while i think with the surgence of specific communities on social media whether sure. that be back in the day with facebook groups and i'm sure there's st people are still on facebook and do that as well but a lot of it i see is on twitter I know that there's there's a niche community on Instagram. Like through word of mouth, I think TTRPGs has been growing very steadily for a very long time. If you have been in the online or you just have a group of friends who are just plugged in to the hobby in general, you've kind of known that yeah, it, there's an expansive thing. Obviously, there's this big giant. But honestly, like through the last like couple of years that i've been on twitter and on ttrpg twitter i've heard way more stuff about paizo i've heard a lot of stuff about call of cthulhu vampire the masquerade the big stuff that's been around for a really long time and now indie stuff so it's been happening but now it's like oh no it's gonna happen now all of the stuff that's been building up it's going to gush out like a geyser <laughs> like it's just going like all the stuff that's been building for a while now it's really going to get its time to shine. And that's why we saw all these companies jumping on the orc. That's why, like, they knew that this was their opportunity to be like, this is it. Like, we are going to change this space. And it is, it, it can only be a good thing because that means more people will play games. And that means more money is going to be, you know, from a capitalistic business standpoint, <laughs> there are going to be more businesses who are going to invest in 
like tabletop games that aren't D and D, and you're going to see different ways to use that medium as just a game or a storytelling mechanic or however you use it. So it is a good thing. It just kind of sucks that it takes like this big corporation doing shitty things to really like move along that timeline that was happening up until now, I think. But now it's just yeah. And but it was less like people were expanding outward like from the jump it was more like okay i've played a lot of D D. what are the other flavors what else is there yeah, yeah. and now you're seeing people going specifically like well i kind of want to do that but i don't want to play D D. or yeah. um i've never played any of these what do you recommend i had a really cool conversation yesterday at the comic book store um which happens you know you go into a comic book store specifically to have those kind of conversations but it was exactly what i talked about before where somebody came in excited about D D, and me and like 15 other people were like it's not just D&D. Let's talk about it. We took him over to the section. <laughs> was like, bonding with the clerk that I see here. They're like, let's talk about it. Like, all right, so we got GURPS here. We got some other books. Um, you know, and we just, they ended up leaving with Call of Cthulhu, which was really exciting. They were more into horror stuff. And I love Call of Cthulhu, yeah. one of my favorite games. But it was just interesting. Somebody coming in who's never played TTRPGs at all, but exactly what we talked about happened. I mean, partly, I mean, I'm my finger's on the scale here because I was there as a part of it. But... <laughs> influence them are you an influencer now 100 100, like listen i am officially an influencer um (laughs) but they were like what should i play and you know we did recommend D, you know if you're looking for fantasy stuff but also i was like well if you want fantasy stuff there's tons of other games here um but when we got into horror they're like oh is D good for horror i'm like sure it can be or <laughs> or you have this game right here or but... there's a literal horror system <laughs> here is a mechanic and if you really want to get into it you could use this <laughs> the other one that i almost had sold was alien uh which is another really mm. good like horror system you don't have to just play aliens and you can do lots of cool things with it but it's a really awesome mm-hmm. one and i was like yeah, i'm that and they're like i don't like aliens i'm like but other stuff uh but <laughs> but it's just interesting that that is actually happening now like that was such a hypothetical a few weeks ago we're like i don't know we might see this and then i'm like anecdotal evidence no, evidence this actually happened um but specifically so this is this is comic city um in the flint area um but like i talked to a couple other people just outside of our nerd sphere like that same like echo chamber of we play ttrpgs every week and they've started to hear about it a little bit um like i was talking to my in-laws the other day and they they have a person in their household who plays D, but they hear about a lot of tangential stuff from from different family members and they were asking right. they're like what's going on with the the card company and like you know like what's, oh, what's up with shit. wizards you know that's when you know exactly that's like when you hear about it and i'm pretty sure yeah. wizards still publishes pokemon so they're not dying you know what i mean like even if you're leaving magic the gathering (laughs) you're just gonna fight pokemon so uh so they're they're not going out of business tomorrow by any means but this this stranglehold which i was kind of okay with uh because i was excited to see D D expand into movies and stuff it's starting to to go down um i've already heard, seen less and less fervor for the movie uh like it was Even though their marketing has amped all the way up <laughs> yeah and it's just you're just not hearing the hype around it necessarily um no. I, I think it's still gonna do the well community. yeah exactly general public i also think because ant-man is coming out now uh soon too oh, is it? the oh yeah ant-man <laughs> comes out that. uh next Oops. week i believe it comes out the 16th um we're recording this on the 9th uh so 
people, the general population, they're like movie going people are more talking about Ant Man now instead of mm. Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, yeah, Hasbro, you done fucked up. We'll see how it goes for you. Um, moving on, done with that, done with the OGL stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, for in our Bardic Inspiration segment, this is where we talk about all the media news and all the cool tie-ins to your favorite TTRPG. This one has, this comes from comicbook.com. Let me bring up the article here from Christian Hoffer. Dungeons and Dragons heist-themed anthology features D&D movie locations. So if you're still interested in the D&D landscape and you're excited about the movie, Honor Among Thieves, um, ties into a special place in the new anthology, Keys from the Golden Vault, which is going to be like a heist-themed anthology adventure that you can go on multiple heists with your D&D group. Um, and I think specifically they're tying it into the prison because that was not a place that existed before the movie this was something we've talked about earlier on the show where there was a prison in a specific location that wasn't there on your forgotten realms maps before this movie and now it is uh let me get into the details here i'm scrolling down don't worry i'm just watching the ad uh <laughs> sorry did you get a chance to read this article do you know anything i'm talking about <laughs> I know I didn't read the article, like skimmed it, but I I've seen some people on Twitter talking about this art, like sharing this article around, sharing the art from this anthology, and just talking about how under marketed it is because it came out, or the, I think the marketing plan was to start marketing it around when the OGL happened, mm -hmm. and uh, Wizards has read the room marketing <laughs> this. Which is good, but also it really it really sucks for the people who worked on it because they are probably as much of a part of the community as we are. So it, it does it, they're not marketing it, and now people who their work is being judged on numbers. This might not be doing as well in numbers because one the OGL stuff happened, and two because they're not marketing it as much, which stinks. Because I know a lot of people, including players that I have in my game, love heists. So, like, people like this kind of stuff, and it would probably have gone over very well two months ago. 100%. This was <laughs> but... one of the first books I was really excited for in a long time, since Rhymes of the Frostmaiden, specifically, which is actually going to come up here in the story. Mm -hmm. But that was the last one that I bought, and I was like, hey, you know, you played in, in my game that I ran yeah. for that. Like, I was very excited about that book. And um, uh, Keys from the Golden Vault was one that I was also really excited for. I do love running heists in D&D. I think it's really, really interesting, and, you know, gives rogues a time to shine, all of that stuff. So mm -hmm. I was really excited to see it being tied into the movie. Um, specifically, so there's a location that had never appeared in Icewind Dale before um, but in Rhymes of the Frostmaiden they added this place called Revel's End which was um, this prison for ne'er-do-wells and it's it's super far north underneath a mountain and there's snow and you can't escape like it was this really cool idea that fit really well into the, the universe but it was there to kind of set up Revel's End as a location in the movie um, and they've spotted this um, in one of the 13 adventures in Keys from the Golden Vault uh, prison thir Prisoner 13 is a prison-breaking adventure set primarily in Revel's End, a prison found in Icewind Dale for the first time in Forgotten Realms. Um, so that's basically it, is that they're tying more into Revel's End. It's a new location. People are excited to learn more about that if they liked Forgotten Realms. Like, I 
I was interested because that was a new place. We didn't get a chance to visit it in our uh, Icewind Dale adventure. Uh, and that's all your fault. And I'll have to accept that I'll never get to do that because I'm not going to run Keys <laughs> from the Golden Vault. I'm not buying that book anymore. Um, but it's it's interesting. I, I like the synergy when it comes to any media. Mm-hmm. You know, I love comic books, so I love the whole tie-in thing. So it's mm-hmm. cool. I wish it would have happened instead of all this OGL shit. Yeah. And then uh, would have gotten a chance to shine and get yes. really excited. But it's just, I feel like anything Wizards puts out at this point is just going to be like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. it's interesting, but also, like, people don't probably aren't going to monetarily support it. And it's really just sad. Yeah. It's like, it's content people would genuinely be excited about. Magic the Gathering has always been really expensive, and uh, mm-hmm. I had already kind of weaned myself off when I started having kids because my money needed to go to more important things. And they started to amp up how many sets they were putting out right as I was going to start getting back into it. And they put out yeah. a Dungeons & Dragons set right next to, like, two other sets, like, back-to-back. And I'm like, I just can't I... afford to buy all this shit. And this was the most excited I was I had been for any product yeah. they had put out. So yeah, it's just... it's. Sucks. Yeah, it's just frustrating. They're like, you're squeezing this community dry that would totally support you long term. But Mm -hmm. because corporations, publicly traded ones specifically, have to show growth, you got to increase those profits year over year. But that's that's an impossibility. You can't do that because eventually you're going to hit critical mass. You're going to hit diminishing returns because you can't exponentially grow. That doesn't exist. The people Mm -hmm. don't exist, let alone the fact that we're in a recession. So that's impossible <laughs> yeah. unless literally every person plays D&D and they join up slowly over time, you know. Um, it's not going to happen. And even if that were the case, eventually you run out of people. Um, yeah. So it's already a faulty idea there. But mm-hmm. um, D&D is notoriously under-monetized. Yeah. Moving on from Dungeons and Dragons, let's talk about something that is awesome. The World's Beyond Number podcast. Um, it found success before the first episode even aired, which is a little bit of a clickbaity headline dice breaker because they put out several preview episodes on their feed if you're a Patreon subscriber. Mm. Um, are you a Patreon backer yet, Char? No, I'm not yet, but I keep hearing more and more about it, and the temptation is growing you every fucking day, coward. every hour. Um, I'm, I'm ashamed of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read directly from Corey Brickley's... Uh, uh, where they're, oh, no, Corey Brickley is the people who did the art uh, behind Worlds Beyond Number. This is from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. Worlds Beyond Number won't air the first true episode of its audio-only tabletop RPG podcast. Uh but the creative venture is already proving successful. An explosive Patreon launch saw more than 16,000 people pledging their monetary support in the first 48 hours. Um, I was one of those people. What up? So impressive. Honestly, like, worth my five bucks. I don't mind at all. Totally mm-hmm. worth it. Uh, I love everything I've gotten so far. Uh, but I think uh, the Patreon was announced on February 1st. So already since then, it's grown to gigantic numbers. Lots of cool um, additional things that they've added. Uh, But they're running that preview campaign, which I mentioned last week. uh, And they've already done two episodes of that. The second episode aired yesterday. Um, 
very very cool stuff this is kind of like their session zero it's like a little introduction to each character so each person in the group there's there's three players they're getting an hour-long backstory episode basically so their their little uh issue zero adventure that explains where they were from children all the way to adults when the campaign starts uh and then they do a fireside chat afterwards to talk about it and the game and everything i always uh, i'm such a i'm such a whore for the after chats of any D D show like when critical role started doing it i just gobbled that up so hard because i'm like i want to know all about like why your character did these things and what the inspiration was between this and it's great. I'm glad to see that it's part of their like whole model that they're also doing that. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good thing to add because they're they're putting out the normal um adventure for free. You can just listen on podcast apps, right? Bi weekly, yeah. uh, once this whole thing is done. But they're putting these out weekly and to fill out those gaps for the Patreon subscribers, not only do you get Worlds Beyond number um early by a week if you're a patreon subscriber mm-hmm. but you also get these in-betweens you get the fireside chats and you get the children's uh campaign i don't know i know the children's campaign is going to be patreon um exclusive for you know in perpetuity but i don't know if the fireside chats are i don't know if those are going to be filling in the bi-weekly mm-hmm. gaps uh they probably are the so their main feed has a weekly episode type thing but I'm not 100% sure. I could probably find that out. Probably <laughs> this is probably like, information <laughs> that's available to us. <laughs> um, but if you don't know Worlds Beyond Number, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, every episode is somebody's first. Brennan Lee Mulligan, Abria Iyengar, Erica Ishii, and Lou Wilson. Um, Fame Dimension 20 players in a million other places, including Critical Role and the Jimmy Kimmel Show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, awesome, awesome role players started their own campaign and podcast and they're going to switch off who's dming the children's campaign right now are talking about their first campaign which is the wizard the witch and the wild one and it you know explores this wizard this witch and this wild one (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) and like how they come to get their magical powers and the adventure that they go on it's very whimsical it's very I, 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 to compare it to something like Miyazaki-esque, I really, really dig um, what they're going for. It's much more uh, epic fantasy as compared to the D&D capturing that a lot of other shows do, including Critical Role and other Dimension 20, where it's like, this is your party, and we're slapstick, and we're funny. And this um, definitely has moments of that, for sure. But this also feels like I'm reading the first chapter of a really epic fantasy novel um and with like you know from humble beginnings to their giant MacGuffin adventure uh so i'm really really digging it i'm loving the whimsical and cozy vibes that they're throwing out too. the first um children's adventure episode uh, around the wizard made me cry within like the first five minutes so uh and i i cry easily so i'm sure it's not the same credit that some people would give but i talked to other people who don't cry as easily and they also cried so <laughs> take that for what you I will be, if you cried easily i would be also be on the fetal in the fetal position yeah. exactly exactly um so <laughs> uh honestly Shar, go check it out go listen it's awesome i highly recommend it pay your five dollars get this little adventure even if you just do it for a month wait till the end of this month um pay your five bucks or pay your five bucks now and you know unsubscribe if you yeah. want to but pay that five bucks get that children's adventure because they're doing four episodes for that mm-hmm. do it you coward 
um but that's it for bardic inspiration that's all the inspiration i have for you this week um let's talk about some bs and get out of here whoa yep um it's it's a much quieter episode (laughs) without listening to fill in these gaps Uh (laughs) we can feel her absence i felt it the strongest during the horse girl thing and i've not been able to fill that gap I'm sending her that article specifically if she has not already received it from somebody. Um, so don't you guys worry. She will be made aware. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So do we want to talk about a little bit uh, Harry Potter uh, bullshit? Sure. We could talk about that for, like, the BS. Right. It's been freaking everywhere. <laughs> I know, we, like I said, like, before, we've been pretty vocal about probably not going to play it. And my stance only got, like, more and more fervent as i talked to some of my trans friends and they were like listen it's a really easy thing to not support this and i was like you're right but also as this game was developed over the last like five years more and more information that wasn't as obvious to me as a child has come out and explained to me about harry potter and not just its issues with with jk rowling being a transphobe um but Mm -hmm. also how racially insensitive it is and mm-hmm. uh, just offensive and to many different people the anti-semitism was something that was obvious when looking at it through an adult lens but never occurred to me when it came to the goblins no. and um it wasn't something that i was just thinking about and partly that's my privilege right like i'm not a religious guy so i don't have to worry about yeah. that the fact um, that we didn't pick out any of this as kids just speaks to our privilege. One hundred percent. I didn't pick them out either. Like Harry Potter is a huge part of my personality. Just right. Up. Same. And with a lot of pe- with a lot of people, like we are millennials. We grew up while the books were still coming out, when the movies were coming out. Like we can't. It's hard to rip off that band aid, right? But you can also still look at it through a critical lens and say i and still enjoy parts of this thing i really enjoyed this throughout my adolescence but i was just unaware because of my privilege and because i wasn't tuned into those kinds of conversations yet as a you know 13 14 15 teenager basically um i don't know if you guys you guys know this we didn't really have a lot of social media growing up until like high school so a lot of these conversations that younger people than us are having now we just didn't have at least in my experience so we're not as tuned in um but learning about it it's easy to see now and easy to criticize and it's it's heartbreaking but it's also important to talk about (laughs) and to acknowledge it's something that me and my wife had to talk about recently with the kids because we wanted to show them harry potter before all this stuff was happening and we just kind of sat down Mm -hmm. we're like you know what what if we just don't you know we talked to them about it you know i think they watched the first two movies um and it was just like hey a lot of the stuff in here hurts people's feelings and my kids being awesome as they are we're like okay like well that's just we don't have to watch that then you know like we don't have to (laughs) push this and a lot of it like again when i talk to my trans friends and just you know people in general that have been hurt by harry potter and jk rowling they were like it's not so much that we want to see people's joy taken away or anything it's more frustrating when we see people who still want to support this after so many people have been like hey yeah that's pretty fucked up right it reminds me of uh ender's game being a conversation when we were in high school because that was a thing that was like taught in schools right and then you read it again and you're like wow 
So gay people don't exist in the future. That's weird. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then you learn about Orson Scott Card. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, got exactly. it. Exactly. Cool. Like, oh, yeah, Love Jews that. Jews don't exist in space. You're like, hmm, interesting, mm. Orson. Okay. Uh, so you had, you had a little bit of some thoughts when it came to this. And maybe this series isn't amazing. That doesn't mean it didn't have parts that were interesting or that I didn't yeah. understand it as a kid. But that doesn't mean I have to support it and be into it as an adult. You know, that's a pretty yeah. simple decision to make. It's the same thing with Harry yeah. Potter, right? Like, it sucks. It was something I was really excited for. I was excited to show my kids those movies. I was excited for that game. But then you learn, you're like, oh, hey, that's pretty fucked up. Well, for me, I'm, I'm not, you know, you know, shitting on everybody else. But for me, it's like an easy decision. Like, hey, I don't need to be into that anymore. Like, it, it hurts other people that I don't want to hurt, right? Like, I have friends that were impacted by stuff like that and continue to be. I'm like, why do I need that in my life? Why do I need to go, you know what? I'm still going to play this. Like, I need this so bad. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't need yeah. everybody. There's a million and other things are, I can show my kids. And there are people who are just not plugged in to the goings on of the internet and cancel culture, whatever you want to call it who are buying this game not out of malice or anything just because they're unaware as well so sure. i've been seeing a lot of more nuanced conversations that i think we should acknowledge but that aren't necessarily like i'm not saying anybody here is right or wrong but it's another part of the conversation that i've become more aware of and i'm still trying to figure out what it means of yeah people buying the game who just frankly are not aware of what's happening um, and then people online calling them when they purchase the game, not knowing that people calling them transphobic, people calling them all bad people. And I'm like, well, they, they just weren't aware. And it's not like they can't unbuy the game, you know, right. and that sucks. That really, really sucks that like really the people who are probably still supporting JK Rowling are just either like, I'm not saying all of them. Some people are supporting her because they don't. Care I was going to say, no, like it's not all ignorance. Yeah. No, no, it's not all yeah, ignorance. Not There's all some ignorance, malicious intent we, there, but there are people who are more ignorant to what is happening on Twitter online in general that are just buying this game. Cause they love Harry, you Potter. Like Harry Potter. I didn't know it was bad until I got older. Like that's a thing yeah. that many people have. The thing is like, there's a nuance there. We can go, Hey, listen, I really don't want to hang out with you because you still really like Harry Potter. And I told you why that it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. And you were like, I don't care. I want it anyways. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. And we're allowed to not, yeah. you know, chill. And I mm -hmm. think that often when you see this stuff, when people are like, well, you don't need to be mad at this person. I'm like, I'm allowed to be mad at that person. They knew what they were doing. I don't have to go shit on them. I don't have to attack them. But I don't have to support mm -hmm. them either. And that's, mm -hmm. I think people forget that there's that nuance on both sides um not that both sides are equal because they're not no, um they're not. but th there but is there a nuance is, on both sides there's a nuance there's like a fourth dimension or whatever to this that there are groups of people who are being called transphobes and are being called awful people who are just frankly unaware and it's i don't think it's the majority by any means but i have been seeing stories pop up on my tiktok feed on my social media feed which i acknowledge isn't like i don't know if these stories are 100 percent true true and it's also an are, echo chamber of, of certain sorts yeah. but also like exactly. there there are some people who are complaining they're like people are being mean to me and like all they're saying is like yeah it's not okay that you're playing this game i don't want to support you and that's mm -hmm. that's some of those articles i've seen they're like oh they're, i'm being attacked no you're not you're just your support's waning 
And you need to accept that. You really wanted to play this game who people who you wanted to be friends with, allies for, mm -hmm. um, be supported by are saying, hey, this hurts our feelings. We don't like that you support this thing. We're not going to support you anymore. That's not yeah. an attack. That's not people mm -hmm. being mean. That's people saying, hey, if you do this thing, I don't hey, support you. Yeah. That's not canceling. <laughs> yeah, like, no. you know what I mean? Like, when people people get mad about it, I've seen like, several Twitch people specifically talking about this. They're like, yeah. oh, I, I just can't handle that people don't like that I'm doing this thing. Well, you did the thing. You know, that's on you. You. you have to accept that. <laughs> but accept it. Like, just own it. Listen, if you're going to play Harry Potter, despite all the people saying that I'm not going to support you if you do that, that's fine. That doesn't justify attacks, right? But I would say that that's a transphobic act when you have trans people saying, hey, this is transphobic inherently. You can disagree with that, I guess. But that's different than people who are ignorant to the situation doing it and you're like well you're fucked up for doing that you can do transphobic racist um homophobic you can do offensive things that doesn't make you offensive right you can you can make a mistake that's that's a thing like i've done transphobic things i'm not a transphobe i was ignorant yeah that yeah. buying the game when people say buying the game is transphobic and you're like well no it's not like well that's not necessarily your choice to decide mm -hmm. but it's, that it's, doesn't it's a person by person basis as well because i've right. seen people I... who identify as trans who are trans saying that i don't give a shit if you buy the and i'm gonna buy it myself game. like you've and seen lots of mistakes and i'm yeah. like yeah that's perfectly valid it's it's whatever it means person to person right so it's if it's going to hurt people in your life, I think it's a lot easier to say no. But if it's not, if it's going to hurt people that you've never met before, I can, it's not right. I don't agree with it, but I can still see why people are like, well, it's not going to hurt anybody I know. And I only care about people I know in my life. And I'm like, it's still problem, but I guess I can see what you mean. Like, sure. And that's what I made it a, a much easier decision for me because I know we had talked about it earlier in the year on the show and like other other episodes too of like, well, I think yeah. I'm going to do it and I'm just going to donate the equivalent donate, amount kind of thing yeah. like to like the Trevor Project. And like when I had talked to some of my friends who it does affect, you know, I have friends that aren't just straight white dudes, as surprising as that is. Um, <laughs> and they were like, it kind of sucks that people are going to still do this. I was like, okay, well, that makes it simple for me. Like, you know. Well, thank you for telling me. Yeah. Like, it, it's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, I won't do it. Like, I don't need it that bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, my life will go on. There are hundreds of games in my Xbox and Steam libraries that I can play instead of this. And like, I was, I remember when the game was first announced, I was probably the most excited you could ever be for this game because it combined things that I just loved. And this was before the stuff on JK Rowling came out. So it was um, like Harry Potter and it was in the Victorian era. And it's an open world RPG. And I was, it, it clicked all of my boxes. 100%. And now that it's out, I'm just like, I can live without it. And if I can do it, I I think anybody can do it. Because <laughs> I don't know if you didn't, if you guys didn't know me in high school, like, listen, this is a big character growth moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, 100%. But not, it's, it's obviously, it's not about me. It's the people who are being affected by this. And those are the people who you should be listening to. Listen to your trans friends. Listen to people in your life. If you want to listen to the echo chamber that is Twitter and TikTok and any other social media that you're on, just to get an informed opinion and to understand what people are saying, do that. Um, but 
it's just yeah the, it, it, i've just been seeing so much of it because the game came out this week that right. it's possible not to talk about 100 percent. i think the interesting part too is that like when it comes to any sort of this cancel thing it's you're allowed to do the thing that people deem offensive no one said you're not allowed to this isn't stopping you from buying the game but what you have to accept is that people might be mad about that thing you know like that's the consequences exactly like you just you you can't be mad that people are mad like that's not how that works i guess you can be but don't expect results from that um i think it's just like trans people don't expect people to not buy that game they're just saying that they're offended by it when they're not a monolith either right the people that i know who are trans who are saying they're offended by it they're allowed to say they're offended by it that doesn't stop you from buying that game like it doesn't stop jk rowling from making money from it it's not gonna stop avalanche studios from making another one of these if it sells well enough it's not gonna stop warner bros from making another game uh so you know do what you need to do just don't be surprised if people aren't happy about it yeah exactly like do what's best for you and just understand that whatever choice that you make is going to have repercussions whether it's a a good choice or a bad choice it's just that's just life man are you a good witch or are you a bad witch both fair enough and that is our show for you people. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at Pod. You can send us an email, can'tbekilledcreations at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the different podcast platforms. Obviously, drop a review, five stars. It helps keep the lights on, the mics rolling. And if you want to do that directly, you can head on over to patreon.com slash can'tbekilledcreations. Give us a buck or two. You get early content, bonus content, lots of cool stuff. Sharda's lore rewrites over there. Uh, for problematic D&D content and as we've talked about on here there's much of it um, every month Char does a rewrite I do some art for it you can get a cool less offensive I wouldn't say completely inoffensive because you don't know what <laughs> what, what lies in store but I would say <laughs> less offensive is a completely fair thing to say for all the content we've put there Char have you announced what this month's lore rewrite is? not yet but as of probably when this is published yes okay. I will have announced that it is Lolf. Spider Mommy. Yes. Uh, so enjoy some Spider Momminess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also on our Patreon, you can get Slavenly Trolls early. No, early. No, same time. You get bonus episodes of Slavenly you Trolls. Get, you, get the, you get Slavenly Trolls after dark. After dark. <laughs> thank you. You get this yeah. podcast early by a few days yeah. if you subscribe over there. Lots of cool stuff. Check out our Patreon. And if you can't give us a buck or do, that's completely fine. You can get all of our content over at can'tbekilledcreations.com, as well as links to comic books I sell, links to our merch if you want to do that. So lots of cool stuff in and around the globe. I am at Resident Stevel on Twitter. You can find my comic books at T.S. Luther. That's my pen name. Buy it, damn it. Um, Char, where can the people find you online? I am the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast. Um, there is no other host because she's not here to <laughs> say otherwise. Um, where we talk about the problematic past of D history and lore sometimes and i run the slovenly trolls twitter at slovenly trolls look at that what about the problematic present you ever cover any of that well i think the most present that we've got is we have tackled some of the iffy stuff that fifth edition has done specifically with goddesses <laughs> and not fixing them so kind of but not like 
OGL stuff. Yet. Right, right. Uh, there's plenty <laughs> of time. Uh, I, I, I stand by that there is uh, new things <laughs> for you is. to discuss every day. Um, but yeah, this has been the Cave Trolls, and we're out. Once again, we have that special time where we get to thank our Patreon producers. Right now, we have Kim Winson, Jeremy Raymond, the Lorax, and Trellbot. Thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics rolling. You keep chicken sandwiches in our pockets, and you keep us having fun on the mic. Thank you so much.